Hey everyone, my online course on the rehabilitation of the fitness athlete with Dan Pope is on sale this week. If you want to work with higher level fitness athletes and help people get back into the gym after an injury, this is the course for you. Head to MikeRandall.com slash fitathlete to learn more and sign up this week. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show, we talk about different types of soft tissue manual therapy techniques. We talk about having too much flexibility and that not carrying over to sports-specific skills. And we talk about, oh, that's right, ankle sprains having some chronic issues down the road. The Ask Mike Reynolds Show. Helping people feel better move better and perform better. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show. We're up at Champion PT Performance in Boston, Massachusetts. Dan Pope, Lane McCrino, Mike Scuduto, and Dave Tilly. You weren't expecting it in that order, were you? (laughs) We are here with our students. Dave, you did a good job last month. With uh, the student introductions, you want me? To, yeah, didn't no. you? No, was that you? No, I thought you did. Lenny an, did. I thought Lenny you did. Was it Lenny? Job. Somebody did an episode where they Thank they you. took over introducing the students. This is Kevin and Jan. First question: Kevin and Jan. <laughs> Where's Kevin from? New York. Kevin's from Franklin Pierce University. They have a little desk in Arizona that they call a campus. <laughs> Sounds like a tax shelter in campus. <laughs> and a P.O. box that they <laughs> definitely the, the address is the Cayman Islands. <laughs> I'm watching and Jan Conkle from the New York Medical Center College. of Colleges. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we haven't wrote a nickname yet for Jan. She started working two weeks ago. <laughs> two weeks ago. Time is flying. 42 minutes ago. All right, who's up first? All right, so the first one is Michael from California. What types of soft tissue manual therapy are the most effective, and which ones do you guys prefer to use the most often? Ooh, all right. What types of, that was specifically soft tissue. (coughs) What types of soft tissue do you think are the most effective? (laughs) I like hard tissues. (laughs) Soft tissue techniques are the most effective. Yeah, right? I think this is where this answer is going to go, which is a good one here. So there's a million different types of soft tissue techniques, manual therapy techniques. Whatever the patient likes. If you, that's part of it. We'll get to that. I like that. If you look at the literature in terms of like what's effective or helpful or those types of things, you know, it's all over the place. And, And I think what we know is that everything works on some people sometimes, right? Percussion guy. <laughs> the best manual therapy technique is the one that elicits the response that you're going for. Quote. Thanks, everybody. We next episode. The next episode. Oh no, that's that's great. Elaborate. I like it. I don't think you need to get caught up into a uh, specific technique. And I know when we are teaching students here, like the manual therapy techniques that we use most often try and tell them that this, this isn't the only way to do it. Like, find a way that works for you, find a way that works for your patient, um, but always keep the, the end goal in mind. So if it achieves the goal that you're looking to achieve, then I think it's a good technique. And there's a million different things that can achieve that. Yeah. All right, so what are some factors that, that, that'll, that'll impact that then? Maybe Davey brought up one. Uh, yeah, I think that when you're doing the subjective with someone and you know, you're asking, have you had PC before? What have you done? What worked? What didn't work? And usually you can kind of pull it out and like, oh, well, you know. So me personally, right, I was like, 
Like, I mean, I went to a chiropractor once. It's no offense, chiropractors to me. Like, I, I got my neck cracked and I did not feel good about it. Right? <laughs> I just like, you know, felt good elsewhere else. But like, when someone did my neck, I was like, yeah, I'm cool with that. Um, and I had somebody else like one time, super. So before you keep going, that's fantastic. And what? This is in the literature, right? This yeah, is yeah. in your guidelines for joint manipulation, especially in the spine. Yeah. One of the number one things is the person needs yeah. needs to want it and yeah. expect that it'll get a benefit for it to work. And another, so, so you wouldn't do it on Dave. Yeah. Right. So if you're a manipulator and Dave just said, "Nah, I've had my neck manipulated once and I didn't like it," if you still did it, you're not listening to your people right. in front of you. You're just doing what you want, not what they want. Yeah. And then another perfect example is, I mean, we were working with someone who's pretty high level, and we had, you know, I was doing a lot of dry needling at the time, and like the person came in, I was like, I think this could really help you, and she like literally like watched somebody else get needled, and she was like, she was like, I can't do it, I can't even watch, I can't even look, I was like, okay, I guess we're not going to do dry needling today, you know? Two good examples. But loves cupping, loves tool work, loves the other stuff. So like, what the patient wants, right? What about, I don't know, who wants to grab this, Len, Dan, maybe, like, who wants to grab, what about, what about the skill of the clinician, or the experience of the clinician? Like, would you, do you think you're going to get effect, as effective results in, in a style or technique that you're not used to? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just like anything else, like a surgeon who's going to do an ACL uh, teletendent autograph and they used to do an allograph, you would not want to go to that surgeon, right? The same thing with a, a, a PT. They got to be comfortable with that technique and, and obviously they're going to use that technique more so and I think that's going to be the best tool for them and hopefully it matches what the patient has for an expectation. So me, I just do some general soft tissue work, maybe a pin and stretch. I want active range of motion. I'm trying to elicit anything that's going to get mobility in the person uh, by me assisting that mobility somewhat. Um, I'll use some needling like Dave said, but again, it depends on the person. It depends on what they want and it depends on my level of comfort, comfortableness, comfortability, comfortable, 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 I don't have all that stuff. I don't manipulate necks. I was never trained in that. It's not something I'm going to do. So to me, I'm definitely not going to try to manipulate a neck if I've never really trained in it. So, you know, it's just, I think it's just, again, it comes down to the the therapist being comfortable and does it match the goals of the patient. So I don't think there's one definitive answer. There's a lot of different things. So I think that tells us a little bit here that we don't understand the complete mechanism as to why these things work. Right, there are some people that, and I haven't heard about this in a while. That treatment techniques of just like gentle touching people, like just like just like yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, but which again, like tells you again that it's this is all sensory, it's neurosensory, neurobiomechanical. How things come together, and we don't quite understand. So there's a lot of different things you can do. I think that's the point. I'd be very wary if somebody says this is the best and only soft tissue manual therapy te- technique out there because they all have some use at some point in time and there's definitely you know ways you, you can incorporate that. You know, For us with our kind of performance therapy system that we kind of have, it's, we have more of the framework. Right? If you think about it, it's more like, well, this is where you would do whatever soft tissue technique you think is appropriate at this time within the framework. And I think that's the best way to do it. So we're all we're all similar because we all kind of work together and it would be super goofy for our clientele to go from one person to the other and get a completely different experience. So we try to systemize that. But trust me, if Dan goes to a con ed course next year and learns a new technique that is mind blowing to him and his people like it, then we're all gonna learn it and we're gonna apply it to our system so so that way we're all on the same page. Okay, so awesome. Let's get, what do we got next? Jan? JK? Jen from Rhode Island. Oh. I see a lot of athletes who are super flexible and have full range of motion in their shoulders, yet they fail to transfer it to actual sports skills. 
What would you do in this situation? This is a good question. I like it. Maybe we'll let Dave, although I don't know, we're running, we're running short on time. He's had a lot of coffee, so <laughs> Froth milk. Uh, we, so it, athletes with a lot of motion that have a hard time transferring that over to sport skill. I think we all see that even in fitness stuff, right? Like, That's you know, what do you think, Dave? Where do you want to start with it? I'll keep it simple. So there's two things. One is that sometimes you can get motion for the wrong reasons and it looks the same. That's something that you guys have taught me very extensively. And I w- was not even on my radar as a younger clinician and I got kind of fooled by that. So you're not understanding laxity versus soft tissue extensibility. And you can swing your arms faster and get a little bit more. Doesn't mean it's good. So really having good diagnostic skills to understand how do you differentiate those things is big. But then on top of that, you just have to screen people. You have to understand that people fall into buckets. You're super mobile and you need more strength and control and that's where your workload is going to go versus like you unfortunately pick the wrong parents. You're a little bit genetically stiffer and you got to work harder to get that stuff, but you're probably a little bit more powerful than, you know, I had some athletes who couldn't deadlift their way to the paper bag because they're so lax. It takes so much more work. They complain about not getting strength and on the flip side, you have athletes that are super tight and they're like, I can't, you know, get my arms overhead, but like I'm real strong down in this range. So just, you know, talk to the athlete and, and play up the positive part of it. Be like, yeah, but you're super strong. You know, so we just got to kind of enhance that as much as we can and then use the stuff in the literature to try to like build up end range strength that we have. You know, there's a lot of good exercises, fitness, sports specific drills that you can kind of develop that. Yeah, so I, mobility and control are brother and sister, right? Yeah. I was just going to say that like muscles aren't strong at end range, right? Yeah, right. So if you have a very challenging task and needs to be performed at end range, the last thing your muscles want to do is be as stretched as possible to right. accomplish that. It's biomechanically disadvantageous yeah. too, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it, that, the, 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 the force levers are tough, so. Yeah, so you just have to train. <laughs> Oil. Sorry. Yeah. I don't know how to not get that on the microphone. <laughs> You're gonna so. throw up. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> like, what's happening? Nobody blessed me, by the way. Thank bless you. Thank you for like the probably had like 600 people simultaneously bless us online, but none of these guys. I felt it. Anyway, I'm good. I'm good, guys. I'm good. Yeah, good. Uh, so obviously, you just need to train more at end range to get strong and build that capacity, strength, whatever you want to call it, in those positions. I, and I, I think a lot of people assume that if you're strong. And you have a lot of mobility that that strength will 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 translate to control and end range, and that's that's not likely. So, you know, and sports it, are fast too. So, you, you know, and 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 when you put it all together too, hypermobility is sometimes. I mean, hypermobility is even harder to control, and that's probably what she's referring to in the question would be yeah. my guess. When you have hypermobility, that's super hard to control. So, mobility without control is kind of disadvantageous because yeah. you know that that could be problemsome. Is that a word? Problemsome? Problem a lot of it's education too with the younger athletes. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. You know, just because right. you can put your arms that far behind your head, it's probably not a great long term strategy. Lot, like it. K Mac, what do we got? Emma from Massachusetts. After an ankle sprain, is it possible for weakness to develop in the Achilles tendon? I see a lot of athletes at my gym who roll their ankle and all of a sudden can't do a single leg calf raise or point their toes. Is this a coincidence? Ah, uh, let's see. So ankle sprain. Both give me the eyes. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't think it's a coincidence to answer your question, but I think there's a lot that go into pathology like ankle sprain. And ankle sprain creates instability. Instability creates a reflexive inhibition of muscle groups to to try to get you to rest. Right. So you lose the ability to dynamically control that. So you could have pain and inflammation that's limiting that, or you can have like inhibition from those from those injuries that are not allowing the muscles to, to kind of control right so anybody else want to jump in on that i mean swelling yeah, yeah. That's yeah. What i was gonna say his effusion in the joint where it just blocks 
how bones from moving. Yeah, how long after the ankle sprain are we talking? Like, is it acutely after? Yeah, the yeah. I would say relatively I, acutely. Uh, relatively so, acutely is pretty obvious. And then I, you know what? Though, kind of piggybacking on the question, I bet you they've seen this here. A lot of people will have chronic issues after an ankle sprain because yeah. ankle sprains can be loose for you know. It's not like you're like magically getting that stability back. Sometimes it can be loose, and then that really, really you know challenges you. You know, for me in baseball, just like quick kind of things like. A lot of a lot of baseball pitchers, the major league level at least, they're like six four, six five, six six. Like they're just big, tall people, right? So, what sports do you think they played in the winter in high school? Basketball. They play basketball, right? So most of them have sprained their ankles at some time. I'd say the majority of the pitchers that I've worked with enjoy getting their ankles taped preventatively, right? Because they feel like less stable and they feel like if you really think about it, if you don't have like a stable force to drive off, then that's going to cause issues over time. So, you know, that's just, you know, one thing with with us I've noticed is that people feel uh, less stable over time. So that may inhibit it. Yeah. I was going to say a little devil's advocate. Yes. Uh, if you have an inversion sprain injury, uh, sometimes when that scar heals, it can get stuck in the joint. So those athletes can lose dorsiflexion. So sometimes they're stiff in certain ways too, and then they're also unstable. So it's kind of a complicated situation. Yeah, that makes sense though. So it, yeah, to answer your question, it is complicated. Probably not a coincidence, right? And there's probably a lot of factors that go into it, but it's certainly real. So if you said, you know, I have a lot of athletes in my gym that you see this with, that's, a, that's why you want to get good care early on to try to prevent some of these things early on and then make sure that you're getting them back uh, on top again, right? So. Awesome. Another great, that was three, right? Good. Done. All right. Awesome episode. Another good one. Thank you so much. Please head to iTunes. You can rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. We can get more eyeballs on here. We really appreciate it. The the more we have, the more great questions we have. So ask us some questions at MikeReynolds.com and click on that podcast link. There's a form you can fill out and we'll continue doing this. So, I mean, we, we I've kind of always said, I don't know, how long have we been doing this now? Is this three years? Yeah. So we've been doing this for three years. I know, right? Crazy. We've been doing this for three years now. And I keep saying we're just going to keep doing it until we run out of questions. But you should see the, the Google Doc form we have on questions. I don't think we're ever going to run out of questions. But, but again, thanks so much. We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeRinald.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeReynolds.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.